Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, our purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for his sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. I'm Dr. Mike Cunningham, and I'm so glad you could join me for today's program. We've been in a series in the book of Ecclesiastes, and this has been a rich and rewarding series that has put our life into a godly perspective. King Solomon was a man whose wisdom knew no peer, had wealth, had power, had everything that we aspire to as human beings, yet his catchphrase was the word meaningless and vanity because he had the opportunity to experience everything we covet in this life, yet it did not fill him and it left him feeling dejected and demoralized. King Solomon's struggles let us know that we cannot save ourselves, we cannot fulfill ourselves, and the most rewarding and joyful life is spent serving God. Last week in chapter 9, we talked about putting our life in perspective, not our perspective, but God's perspective. This theistic worldview avoids the shortcomings of a materialistic worldview and gives hope, meaning, and purpose to believers who will look to God instead of their own needs and desires. Viewing our life in God's eyes instead of our own gives us purpose, hope, and meaning as we move forward in our lives, and I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. This week, we pick up in chapter 10. If there's one word to describe chapter 10, it is the word folly, which is defined as a lack of good sense or foolishness. Let me ask you, friends, does that describe you? Does it describe your family? Does it describe your friends? It seems our culture is becoming more and more foolish. In fact, foolishness seems to be more rewarded than good behavior. And so my question is, how do we live wisely amid such foolishness? It becomes difficult when all the influences around us seem to be doing the wrong things. We are called to have a good reputation and to live our witness even in a broken world. 1 Peter 2.12 says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Ecclesiastes 7.1 said, A good name is better than a precious ointment. And Matthew 5.16 calls us, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Staying faithful in these circumstances is easier said than done. There are some challenges we have to deal with. The fool's voice often seems the loudest, so we have to instead listen to wise counsel. You probably cannot avoid folly, but you don't have to participate in it. And we have to be on our guard because foolish acts that seem insignificant can ruin our lives and reputations. And with that, let's open up our Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 10, starting in verse 1. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. 
if the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen servants on horses and princes walking on the ground like servants. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits log is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be. And who can tell him what will be after him? The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. Woe to you, O land, where your king is a child, and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, where your king is the son of the nobility, and your princes feast at the proper time, for strength and not for drunkenness. Through sloth the roof sinks in, and through indolence the house leaks. Bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. Even in your thoughts do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich, for a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell the matter. There's a lot to look at here, so let's step back into chapter 10. He talks about dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. And friend, isn't that how easy it is to contaminate something that is pure? We get sucked into the idea that we can dabble in a little bit of sin or dabble in a little bit of folly or foolishness under the guise of just having a little fun or it's no big deal. But these decisions and these actions and these thoughts give way to other experiences that erode our faith and hurt our lives. And so we have to be very intentional about avoiding foolishness. I mentioned earlier how the fool's voice is often the loudest. And that's not just on our friends and our family. That is oftentimes our culture. When we look for godly advice and for positive peer pressure, it's oftentimes not there. We oftentimes have to trust and we oftentimes have to walk in the face of culture to live lives of meaning and of godliness. But friend, living wisely in a foolish world protects our reputation and inspires others to seek God. Much of chapter 10 is very vivid in its description of foolishness and fools themselves. They're often loud, conceited, arrogant, undisciplined, and very happy to be so. We all have those people in our lives, and it becomes a source of struggle with all of us. But also, I hear a lot from young people because I constantly hear, it's not fair. This person gets to slough off. They don't get to be held to standards. They get to have a good time. 
and they get to act a fool and nothing bad seems to happen to them. And why am I held to this higher standard? It's interesting how that type of worldview fits in a foolish culture. A foolish culture would see that as a benefit. Foolish culture doesn't hold itself to accountability. Foolish culture doesn't hold itself to standards. And frankly, most of what foolish culture does with standards is try to lower them because they themselves are either not interested or capable of reaching those standards. So therefore, they're going to dissuade everyone around them from accomplishing the things that they're set out to accomplish or growing in their faith in a manner that is going to mature them and allow them to be the person that God wanted and designed them to be so that they can feel better about their life decisions. Friend, do not get pulled into that type of destructive relationship. Do not get sucked into lower expectations or bad influences who simply want to use you to help themselves feel better about their life and their decisions. There are times when the fool is loud, the fool is conceited, they can't see it, and they're just going to be that way. There's many times that we find ourselves having conversations with foolish people, and it's frustrating because you're trying to make sense. You're trying to give good advice, godly advice that's going to be helpful to them, and they're not having it, and possibly even mocking us as we do so. In doing so, we're often tempted to not only stop having that conversation, sometimes we're tempted to join in because we feel those those standards are unfair. Friend, remember that Solomon throughout Ecclesiastes constantly extols wisdom, moves us in that direction, encourages us that even though the vanity of this life as human beings is fruitless, God did design and create us for more than just acting a fool and living the life of a smart animal. God has put each one of us in this life so that we can glorify him, not only through our service to him, our Bible study, our discipleship path, but also in the way that we use his God-given gifts for his glory and not our own, that we are able to see life transformation and change in the lives of those around us and how we're able to be positive influences on our societies and our families in redemptive ways that we otherwise could not. Friend, do not let this foolish world cause you to lose heart and think less of yourself and less of your faith, to lower your standards, to accept defeat. Remember, as we move into future chapters in this book, we are going to start seeing the pivot to where God can define our life and give us a sense of hope and of purpose. As we wind down this week, I want to give you a few quotes from some important authors that can give us perspective on this matter. John MacArthur says, the greatest folly of man is to think that he can find true happiness apart from God. R.C. Sproul echoes, the greatest folly of a man is to think that he can be good without God. My friends, these are the types of trappings that we fall into in our lives, that we feel like on our own effort, in our own talent, in our own strength and willpower, that we can make ourselves good and that we can make ourselves happy, that we can make ourselves godly, or that we can change ourselves without the work of God, without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, without the sacrifice and grace of Christ, 
friend, we are hopelessly lost without these things. That God created us for more than toiling away fruitlessly towards something that is not going to work and a life that is pointless and meaningless. But my friend, as Sproul and MacArthur said, God is there to transform and change our lives. And he does so first by transforming and changing our hearts. Whether that is coming into faith, admitting belief in God and faith in Christ, and being indwelled by the Holy Spirit through salvation. Those are indispensable in the Christian walk. In fact, you cannot come to faith without that. And once you're in that journey and once you've experienced God's grace, he can then start guiding you on this spiritual journey where you don't have to live your life as a fool. He will begin transforming your heart and your mind towards him. He will allow you to see things clearly. One more proverb from Solomon's younger years echoes these truths. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So just remember, friends, that as we are trying to live godly lives, following wisdom and instruction, it's not going to make sense to those around us. So we must remember to persevere in those efforts and trust God with the results. Ecclesiastes 10 acknowledges the inevitable folly that exists in this life, but challenges believers to face it with wisdom, benevolence, and hope. That is what I want to leave you with, my friends, today, that even though we are surrounded by folly, we don't have to participate. We don't have to live a life of foolishness. God not only has a wonderful plan for our life, we can embrace that and make a difference in this world. Thank you for joining me today, and I'll see you on the next episode of Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher, Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.